Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, January the 20th, 2020. We are reading from the big book, and we are at page 83, the fourth paragraph, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Anita B., 12 Traditions, Lisa B., and readers of the text, Russ M. and Jen A. The reference numbers for yesterday, Sunday, January the 19th, special edition, is 13994. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita B. to read the 12 steps. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for letting me do service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Anita B. And Lisa B. will read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first, Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, Lisa B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 83 in the chapter Into Action, the last paragraph, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development. And Russ M., could you read for us, please? Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, family. Russ M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that, that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. 
Whew. So that is packed. That paragraph. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a clever share and things that would impact someone. But basically, that, that paragraph speaks for itself. If we do the work, if we get to this ninth step, we'll be amazed. Our mind will be blown. And it, it is for me. It's still continuing. You know, before I came in the program, life was upside down. I mean, like many of everybody else that came in through here, you know. I, I, I couldn't do the basic things. I couldn't, I couldn't manage anything. I couldn't manage anything. And by doing this work, I'm getting right with God and uh, people around me, people that I've hurt. You know, these little miracles just pop up. They pop up, and I learned to trust God with my whole life, with the finances, with the family, you know, with just being the screw-off my whole life, you know. It's no longer like that. It's because of this beautiful program, doing this work. It's like a metaphysical thing goes on when you clear the slate and you take risks on trying trying to make up what you need to make right and um before i came in these doors you know i was a stone cold failure you know i still fail in certain ways but i have a program that that protects me i have something i have i have a you know a shield that helps me get through life now i have a way of doing it and these these promises will come true please for those who are, who are battling it and, and, and are unsure and don't know which way to go, just do the work. Do the stuff that, you know, it says painstaking. It doesn't say doing the easy thing and you'll get something. It, it's, it's hard. This stuff sucks to do it sometimes. But the blessings that come are, are incredible. And I would never believe I'm living the life that I'm living now. Not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Just do the work. If I can ever help you, I'm here. Love you guys. Have a great day. And thank you, Russ M. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last two days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Chuck K. Christina J. Jason K. Paul A. Okay, let me tell you who I did hear, and then those I missed could perhaps say their name again. I heard Chuck. I heard Christina J. Jason K. And Paul A. Who did I miss, please? Melissa C. I've got space for one more if somebody's there. Anita B. Okay, that's great. Thank you. We have our lineup. I have Chuck, Christina J, Jason K, Paul A, Melissa C, and Anita B. So Chuck, could you start us off, please? And could you give me the initial of your last name? 
Hey, thank you. Good morning. It's Chuck Kay from Georgia. Can you hear me? It's a little bit low. If you could speak up, that would be great, Chuck. All right. You can hear me better now, I'm sure. Perfect. Thank you. This is Chuck Kay from Georgia. And I remember, this brings me back to the first time I experienced the promises in my life. And I had been in program for about, about nine months, I think it was. And I was at work, and I was driving past a place that I would have eaten at at least two or three times a week and when I was in the disease. And I had the realization that I haven't eaten there in nine months. And the second thing that came over me is it was a surprise. It was like I hadn't even thought about it. And I believe that's the experience of program. That is the benefit of program in my life. And what I think about now, I've been in program about five years now, is how important it is for me to keep up with the work every day. It's so important that I do that. My ego tells me, that I don't need to do it. My ego tells me that I can do it another way. And I have to gently remind myself that no, I just need to know how the steps work through this big book. And I just need to do what it says. And that means I have work every day to do. And so I think that's a very good reminder. And it was already spoken about here just a minute ago with the opening share. Um, but I just want to close with how thankful I am with program that I have the awareness of how my life can be and the importance of just when I even when I feel like I don't want to do it I just put that to the side I pray to God for the willingness and then I do the work just like it says to do and that's all I have to do have a good day good morning thank you Chuck K Christina J you'll be next followed by Jason K. Good morning, Christina J. from the state of Washington. Um, I am just shaken inside. I am so amazed at these promises in this paragraph. You know, um, these come slow truly from, uh, these come true slowly for me every day if I work this program. If I start slipping away back into my old will, back into myself, not doing my prayer and meditation in the morning or evening, um, doing 10 and 11 through the day as I get irritated, restless, and discontent. And I'm still pretty new at this, so I still get um, irritated, restless, and discontent quite a bit. Um, but if I stay in that mess in my head and in my gut, I'm thinking about food. I'm thinking about uh, I get into fear. Um, so... <clears throat> What I'm shocked at is that I'm starting to know a new peace. I'm starting to have a new serenity daily if I surrender my old ways. And I really, God really brought me to this place where these promises begin to come true for me on an emotional um, and mental level when I had my past career basically stripped away from me, the thing that I was trying to control my entire life, and I began to surrender my days to God and to stay in today, not worry about tomorrow, not be ashamed or horrified at my past, but to realize all that brought me to now, and it was all preparation. It was all this experience I took on. You know, my nieces are starting to go through stuff. They're young, and they're starting to have experiences 
choices in life. And those are the things that are going to be the storylines of their life that someday maybe God will use them to help other people. You know, yesterday I worked with someone on an outreach call, and they texted me this morning, and they said that their share, my share, and my God's work through me helped them stay sober yesterday in a very strange, horrible situation. And you know what? I had had that situation, and I was able to share how I got through it. So the the feeling of uselessness and self-pity are disappearing daily. Um, I'm losing interest in selfish things and gaining interest in my fellows because I realized how selfish I've been all my life, just pushing ahead towards something that was very selfish and based on insecurities. And just my whole life was just just twisted and full of fear. So this, this just brings me such amazing... Um, I'm just in shock every day that I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering. I don't know what the future holds, but today I can have peace and serenity. Um, and I was in such horrible places. I'll share one more thing with you. Yesterday we had to go to a store, and I was feeling a little like maybe I should have a little something. And I walked through. There was nothing in there I could have except this thing I used to have, and I was uninterested in it. And that's a promise. That's a promise come true. Thank you for letting me pass, and I share. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. <laughs> and you're welcome, Christina J. Thank you. Jason K., you're up followed by Paul A. Please go ahead, Jason. Good morning. This is Jason K., recovered compulsive eater and bulimic outside of Philadelphia. And, um, yeah, coming into program, being selfish and self-centered, coming into OA meetings nearly 20 years ago, you know, seeing these promises, I'd say, yes, I want that, but I wasn't willing to pay the price. And the big book tells us there is a price that has to be paid Um, Fast forward, you know, 17, 18 years later of cycling downward, uh, you know, in this progressive uh, fatal illness, uh, becoming really willing to do the work, uh, becoming willing to pay the price, you know, driven out of that desperation and demoralization and um, desperate, desperate fear. And in the intolerability of the life I was living, uh, I became willing to make amends and uh, you know, we heard recently that the, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And uh, I just became inspired to, to speak more practically about uh, my program and specifically. Uh, and one example of a, of a painstaking, annoying amends was I used to steal milk crates. I just would love the storage uh, capacity and just, you know, the utilitarianism of them. I'd back my car up the local, you know, 7-Eleven type uh, store here in Pennsylvania called Wawa, and I just load them into my car, and I just drive away, and I get this thrill. Um, so I had this house and this um, apartment filled with these milk crates, and you know what a pain just to stack them in my car to go back down and to um, walk into a store and say, you know, I stole these milk crates, and these employees they didn't care. You know, they looked at me and they said, oh, well, do you need them? You can keep them. No, that's not the point of this. I took these from you. I'm willing to give these back. Um, You know, did I walk out of there feeling like a spiritual giant? No. Um, Did I feel clean in my heart and soul? Yes. Um, But then I moved moved from the apartment into a home, and I found like four more of these crates. And I'm sitting there telling myself, you know, these people, they didn't care. They told me to keep them. I said, they're four crates. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, I was in the middle of a move, like now I got an extra errand to go down to the store. 
um, to give them these crates. And I'm saying they're just crates. How, how much could this matter, right? Milk crates, people. I mean, seriously. And I said something inside of me urged me to go to any length to go down. Uh, same process. I was telling myself, this isn't a big amend. I've done this before. I go in, I say, I stole these from you. I'd like to give these back. Um, they take it very unceremonious. Uh, I go into the parking lot and suddenly I'm in tears. I'm crying. I feel such deep, tremendous sense of relief and freedom. Some part of my soul had been cleansed and cleaned um, by this simple, simple act. And it's painstaking. It's annoying. Uh, it seems small, but it's really huge. And this gives me the inspiration, uh, the uh, the willingness to keep going forward. Um, because I have to take pain. I have to take pains to continue uh, to do all of my amends. And thank you for listening with all that. Thank you, Jason K. Paul A. It's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Please go ahead, Paul. Press star one to unmute, Paul. Thank you. Good morning. This is uh, Paul A., a um, recovering compulsive overeater in Chile, St. Louis, Missouri. And, um, yeah, short, short share this morning. When I think about uh, this reading, the first thing that harkened me back to was, I guess, whereas the bedevilments helped my head opt in and identify, um, the ninth step promises very early on helped my heart opt in. And I think it was probably around step four where I don't think I even realized that there were promises in every step or it didn't occur to me. Um, but the ninth step was this beacon of hope um, out in the distance that, you know, like I said, with the bedevilments, how I could say, yes, 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 everyone, yes, yes, yes. Can't, can't um, stay in a job, can't sustain relationships. Yes, yes, yes. The the nine step promises, these promises here, I was like, oh my God, there is, there's hope. There's not just compassion or empathy um, or identification. Um, like, like in the, uh, in the bedevilments, but now there's, there's a, a program of hope. And as I started doing the steps and sharing and working this program, you know, all of a sudden I could talk about my, my past. It was no longer a dirty little secret. Um, all of a sudden I could share my past one-on-one with someone even um, in step work and help them. Um, suddenly I could, my past and say, yep, that happened. I'd, I needed that to happen somehow. My higher power said, hey, we have free will. You're going to get screwed. Some people are going to screw you. You're going to screw some people, right? Shit happens. Pick up your mat and walk with me, right? Take that shit with you. Move forward. And this program is helping me do that. And these nine-step promises um, continue to be this beacon of hope and this reminder. This reminder that I get to... um, I guess, hear or, or read every day when I read steps 83 through 88. Just a reminder that so many times I get to align with in my, my face-to-face meetings when, when we read these, I still promises. 
and they move me every time. Anytime I get a little off center, a little more into the self-will, it's a real quick, it's like looking down at the speedometer, right? I get to, whoa, slow down, slow down. Um, get back, get back on plan here. Get back at the right speed, eyes forward. Um, remember, we're working towards those those steps, those promises. And with that, I'll share. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Paul A. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Anita B. Please go ahead, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service this morning. This is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, that that painstaking. Um, uh, and that's really, like, I just remember in the beginning, and it's it's good for me to remember the beginning, that every piece of this program felt painstaking. And, um, you know, and that was like uh, putting the food down, right? And I, I remember, like, I was enthusiastic on one hand because I really couldn't stand the way I was feeling, but it felt so controlling, all the actions I was told to do, you know, um, do this kind of work daily. For me, it was commit your food daily, you know, participate in meetings daily, make those phone calls. And it felt like too much. And, you know, and, and I couldn't really see at the time that it was actually going to lead me to freedom. And I'm grateful that we're reading this. Like, and where it's January, because I know there's new people here again, or new, you know, new again, because January seems to do that to us. Um, and and it's, it's so good to read the promises, you know, that all of the actions we take, initially, first, yes, putting the food down, it's, it is painstaking. It, it, it has to be, you know, that's the price of freedom. And, um, you know, I can appreciate how it doesn't feel like it's going to lead to freedom, and yet this is the best deal ever. Like, my freedom and happiness cost me virtually nothing that I could compare to what I got in return. You know, um, for me, these promises, they came true, and they continue to come true every time I took action, action after action. And, you know, I'll never forget the day I, I told a coworker. I thought I would never tell this woman that I had stolen candy from her. I would have, like, sworn. But I came clean on that, and I've shared that here before. You know, I hadn't lost all my weight yet when I had to make that amend, and I think that's important, too, because I had to make that amend to this woman, and I was still obese. I was still large. But I think I ran down the halls of school that day. I felt like I had lost 100 pounds just in making that amends. And, you know... Today, my freedom isn't just with the food. Yeah, I'm free from the bondage of food, and that is incredible. But I'm free from embarrassment and shame, and I can look at people who I had to make painful amends to, and some of which didn't even accept my amends, and I don't feel what I felt before when I'm in their company. I feel free. And um, so all the painstaking work is well worth it, and... um, it's a beautiful thing to be free today in January, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Anita B., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Anita. 
Thanks. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, I'm going to start at the opposite end of that paragraph where it says, uh, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Um, You know, even to the point where he left this spot open for me because I don't want to share. And uh, he left it open because I need to share. So he does for me what I cannot do for myself because I am truly at this painstaking phase of my development. Uh, And, um, you know, I want the freedom, but I, you know, I have to do the work. That's what it says at the end of that promise. They will always materialize if I work for them. And I don't always want to do this work. So I'm grateful that I have a God that will help me with that. Um, You know, especially the uselessness and self-pity and um, the willingness to want to change. So uh, all these things are where I'm at today. So to hear these promises and listen to everyone share just uh, gives me that hope again this morning, just gives me that encouragement I need to continue on with this program and receive the freedom And I have received some of the freedom and some of these promises. It's just that, like uh, someone shared, you know, stuff happens. Stuff happens. And uh, I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to change, uh, especially when I feel like I've changed so much already. You know, how much do I, how far do I have to go? I have to go all the way. I have to surrender everything. I have to do whatever's in front of me, whether it's painstaking or not. And uh, right now it's painstaking. So I'm really grateful to be here this morning and to uh, do service to read those steps. Or I might not be, you know, I'm off today. So I might not have been here to hear these, but God does for me what I can't do for myself. And for that, I am ever grateful. And thanks for everybody being there for me. I pass. We thank you, Anita B. For those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 83, the fourth paragraph, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. And please say your name just once. It helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Diane B. Okay. Kennedy. Monica, let me tell you who I heard, please, and then you can uh, tell me who I missed. I did hear Diane V, Leslie W, and Linda M. Who did I miss? Rachel K. Rachel, and I think, am I hearing uh, Chuck? No. Craig. Craig, thank you. Gosh, Craig, how could I do that? Uh, Sorry. Okay. Rick, Rick J. All right. Thank you. I have our lineup here. I've got Diane V, Leslie W, Linda M, Rachel, Craig F, and Rick J. So if you're not Diane V, could you please make sure that you have muted your line? And Diane, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Diane B in New York. So grateful to be here. 
Um, so I also have um, honed in on the last sentence. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I mean, just getting back to basics, it's like, you know, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be 15 years since I last had a piece of chocolate. It's like, who would have ever thought that that could be true? Like, I couldn't live without chocolate in my life. So that's just, you know, one of the most basic things is that God helped me to uh, put down the food. Um, You know, today's Martin Luther King's birthday celebration, and today I feel free from this compulsion to eat. I have developed this neutrality around my um, my trigger foods, my alcoholic foods that I could never do by myself. Um, I remember when I would go on diets, and then they would ask you ask me, "Well, what do you want to add back into your into your into your uh, meals?" You know, when I would get near my goal weight, and the first thing I said every time was bread. It's remarkable that I haven't had these basic things in my life Um, and then of course once I was able to put down the food then my mind was clear and I could start really working these steps and I've learned so much over these years I began program in 1986 I was like four years old haha but um, I've learned so much and it has not been a smooth road it's been you know three steps forward one step back but that's okay and I still make mistakes, and that's okay, too, because today I know that there's a higher power. There's something out there that's connected to me within that guides me through each day, and I could never do this without that power, and for that I'm really grateful. So free at last, free at last. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Diane B. Leslie W., it's your turn, followed by Linda M., Please go ahead, Leslie. Thank you so much. This is Leslie W. from uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. And I'm, I'm so grateful to get to share on this paragraph this morning because I remember when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous in 2010, and I would hear these promises being read at the meeting, and I would cry because I did not believe these promises would ever come true for me. They sounded nice, but I really didn't have any hope that um, that it would happen. And it sounded too good to be true for me. Um, not I'm not a skeptical person by nature, but this disease had beat me down so much that I just didn't believe that I was going to get well. Um, and, you know, for me, the painstaking part was not putting down the food. I have to be honest. That was the easy part. For me, the painstaking part was dealing with myself after I put down the food. I felt like I was going to break and and shatter into a thousand pieces. I could not see my life without that, that food to numb me out. I did not know how I was going to live because my emotions were so big. And, um, you know, I can remember just clawing the sheets at night in my bed because I just wanted to eat. And because uh, I just, I wanted to feel better. Every compulsive overeater who is recovered has to go through a period of uncomfortability. And it is 
you know, in order to get there. And it is painstaking. But I have to tell you that there there is a reward at the end of that at the end of that struggle. And that reward is peace of mind for me. I just wanted to lay my head down on my pillow at night and not have my brain be spinning. Um, I just wanted to have peace. And I have that today, and I have so much more than that. You know, um, that's just the tip of the iceberg for the rewards that I have received from being in this program and working these steps. And the biggest, one of the biggest rewards that I've received is seeing how my experience has benefited others. Um, I am vulnerable on this line, and there's a reason for that. I want to give hope to those who are hopeless. I want God to use me, and he does. He does use me as long as I'm willing to be used. And I know that today um, I don't have to look back at my past and regret what time to live in that shame. (laughs) Thank you, Lynn. I no longer have to live in shame anymore. So for that, I'm really grateful. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Leslie W. Linda M., it's your turn, followed by Rachel K. Please go ahead, Linda. Hi, it's Linda D. Oh, I beg your pardon. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, it's Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm, uh, wow, what shares? Uh, whew. Um, hmm. Well, I've been in program a really, really long time, like 37, 38 years, and um, I'm six years um, recovered. So do the math on that one. Um, my life is completely different, and I don't remember what I felt when I first did this because it was years and years ago. But I can tell you this. Uh, one thing for sure, I probably didn't admit it then, I would have stopped cold at the word God because I was an atheist, and I didn't want to be. It's not a polite thing to be, and it's, it, was, it wasn't certainly in uh, my family background or anything, but I didn't trust anything or anyone, least of all myself, or this um, idea of God. Um, and what I did was what some of the folks have said. I did what, what I was told to do. And in those days, they would say jump and how high and all. I did all that stuff. And I was very fortunate, very blessed that we did the steps from the big book. And we did that for quite a while before other things unfolded in OA. Um, I'm back with the big book, and it saved my life. Uh, Well, all of you, of course, and all the people that have helped me, but principally through the techniques that I've learned and the people that I've met in visions. And um, so here we are, and I'm uh, 75 years old. I'm going to be 76, and uh, I'm not crazy anymore. And that some people might not want to hear that word. But I was self-destructive, and I don't know what else you would call self-destructive except crazy. I came in so I'd look good, so I'd get a a young boyfriend. Uh, He was younger than me and gorgeous and all that stuff. And that's fine for the movies, but in real life, wow. Um, And now um, 
you know, I'm a completely different person. I don't mind having a younger boyfriend. That'd be fine. But uh, it's not about that. Um, and I had no idea. What is it about is the peace and the freedom. And I am willing to be vulnerable. I wouldn't be saying the stuff I say here. Uh, I have a very dark past. And I have a very bright future. Because these steps work, the big book works, and God is real. Whatever you call God, I'm floored that God is such an amazing, amazing presence in the universe and allows me to walk without shame, without terrorizing guilt and fear. And, you know, I don't weigh uh, 275, I weigh 129. So Time, please. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Linda D. Rachel K., it's your turn, followed by Craig F. Please go ahead, Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel K. in uh, California. I'm grateful to be on this meeting. And yeah, um, darn it. <laughs> I wish we hadn't read this today because there's an issue that I've been going around in my head with that. Um, So by the grace of God, I've been abstinent for about 19 and a half years. And um, it's been a while. It's been, you know, several years, not since my original ninth step amends, but it's several years since I've made what I call a cash register amends, uh, which I found are actually the easier ones, you know, to go back and say, hey, you know, I took these rolls of toilet paper from your store. Here's some money, whatever. uh, the harder ones are, it, it seems like for me, you're going to old employers and saying, hey, I lied to you. But but in any case, uh, went to Trader Joe's the other day, came home, was looking at my receipt, and there was something odd on it. And I realized they had undercharged me for three items. They had mischarged me and, and undercharged me. And so I owe about like 15 bucks. And I was like, oh, man. This store isn't even in the city where I live. It's like, well, it's actually on the way to work, but it's like I'm busy. I have, you know, I got stuff to do. I'm I'm an important person. Da, 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 da. Yeah, there's my ego. You know, I'm I'm so busy, and I'm like, do I really? You know, I didn't intend to get undercharged. It's not like I, you know, I just now realized it, and you know, so I put the receipt up on my fridge, um, and turned it over, and I'm like, okay, and I. <laughs> Just this morning, I'm like, damn it, we're reading the promises um, in the ninth step. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. This is what I want. These promises. And I don't know if I'm going to eat over not going back and giving them this money, but I don't want to test it. Uh, you know, I don't know if that one bite of sugar, whatever, is going to set me off, but I don't want to test it. I I don't like those odds. I just don't like those odds. Uh, and I like to play the odds. And so, yeah, so I'm going to go and give them this money. And, you know, they're probably not going to care. Um, but but I got to do it. I've got to be fearless and thorough, thorough um, because I want these promises. I really, really want them. And they've come true in my life. So I don't want to lose them, um, but and, but I want, you know, it's like how free do I want to be? I want to be as free as possible. So anyway, I'm I'm grateful. Thank you, everybody, doing service on this line, uh, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel K. 
Craig F., it's your turn, followed by Rick J. Please go ahead, Craig. Okay, good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, you know, my uh, magic um, addict mind uh, heard this or phrase read or read this phrase, um, you know, where if you're painstaking about this phase of your development, you're going to be amazed before you're halfway through. And said, oh, in other words, if I'm painstaking, if I'm uh, 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 manipulative and uh, uh, careful about how I work this, that I can get what this pro program promises by doing about half the work. That's what I heard. And, and let me assure you that's not the truth uh, and that doesn't work. You know, uh, I, I, in order to believe that, I had to forget what it says and how it works, which it says that half measures availed us nothing. So, you know, it's almost a contrast between half measures availed us nothing and we're going to be amazed before we're halfway through. But the, the real thing is halfway through implies that we're doing the work that we're, we're committed to the work and that we're going to follow through with the work. And, and that was not something that my addict mind wanted to hear. My addict mind wanted to hear uh, that uh, there was a way for me to outsmart this. There was a way for me to get those, these benefits without uh, paying the price. And uh, uh, it, it never worked. I, I, chase that idea almost to the gates of death and uh, uh, you know by the grace of God uh, today uh, I know that uh, I have to be uh, not perfect with this because I'll never be perfect but I have to be uh, thorough I have to be painstaking I have to be uh, I have to be all in I have to do the best job I can and give that, uh, you know, the sports. So I say you got to give 110 percent. You know, I have to give my 110 percent um, in order to get what the program promises. And I remember complaining once that I wasn't getting these promises in my life, and somebody said to me, somebody near and dear said, maybe that's because you haven't done the work, and that was true. I hadn't done the work. Why would I expect the promises? The promises come, these promises come after the ninth step. So why should I expect to get them if I haven't done the first nine steps? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Craig F. And Rick J., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Rick. Hi, this is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. Um, just full of gratitude this morning. Uh, I've been... Um, Abstinent working the steps with a sponsor since October 10th, and um, I was thinking back, you know, uh, about sort of this progression of uh, going through the steps and and experiencing promises, um, you know, that have begun to slowly reveal themselves, you know, uh, like in the third step, you know, um, after being powerless in step two, I mean, completely powerless, you know, it's it was saying in step three, you know, it's like we feel new power flowing in. That's the power I had always lacked, you know, and uh, we were reborn. And then finishing the fifth step, you know, uh, I uh, began to have a spiritual experience 
which was true, you know, and these things uh, were being released that were blocking me from the God of my understanding and the more of myself that was falling away and the stuff that I was keeping inside of me, I was beginning to feel differently and I was beginning to be opened up. And so I was beginning to feel my higher power more. And, um, you know, and when I was willing to make amends to everyone and committed, even though I might not be able to make direct amends to everyone, you know, I was working with my sponsor. I was committed. I was ready. And so when I started actually um, doing the amends, you know, I know I wasn't finished, but, you know, just that feeling of being committed and being on the path was just the, the final barriers that were blocking me from my higher power were just, you know, just like falling off. And I love the, the very first promise, you know, um, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And for me, it was just like all the rest of the promises, beautiful as they are, really is just reinforcing you know, and explaining in more detail why we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So it's really wonderful to be abstinent today. I'm living in freedom. I thank the people who have helped me and have um, shared their experience, strength, and hope with me because I wouldn't be here um, living in freedom. I wouldn't be abstinent without the people who have have really reached me. And there's some who... Um, you know, my life will never be the same because of, and I love you all. Thank you. And thank you, Rick J. We have time for about three more shares. So if you haven't shared in the last few days, please take this opportunity. Who would like to share? Beth W. Leah M. Rochelle A. Great. Thank you. I've got my lineup. I heard Beth W. Leah M. And I think it was Rochelle or Michelle. Not sure. Priscilla. Okay, Beth W., please go ahead. Hi, thanks for hearing me. My name is Beth W., and I live in um, very cold North Dakota. And I'm super grateful this morning to be uh, that you heard me and that I get a chance to share um, and that I am a recovered compulsive overeater. These promises were baffling to me. Um, I just thought, there's no way. There is no way that um, this could happen for me. Um, the only thing I knew was uselessness. And I lived in self-pity every single day. Um, I was afraid of people. I was afraid of what they thought of me. And, and um, I wanted to be around them, but I didn't know how to be a part of um, a community of people. Or, or um, I didn't think anybody wanted to be around me. And so I used substances to feel better, to feel a part of, and and that was uh, less than successful. Um, I I truly um, am seeing these promises change and fall away, and the promises come true and my fears fall away and change. Um, I know that God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. I just got back last night from a, a quick weekend from North Dakota. I flew to Oregon for a family funeral. Uh, the old me would never have bothered. That was just not who I was. I didn't bother to show up for things. I didn't bother to show up for family. I, I, didn't, I didn't see the importance of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and, and I thought, oh, I can't spend that kind of money. I can't do those things. And, and now I know that... Um, 
how powerful and how important that is and how how beautiful it is to just show up and be a part of things and to be be a part of a family and um, that people do want me around them and that as much as I love other people, they love me too. And these promises come true. And I, and as I, as I reflect back on my life, um, God has been there all along, you know, and God has been taking care of me to get me to this place. And for that, I am so, so grateful. That's all I have this morning. And I um, wish you all a beautiful day. Thanks. And I'll pass. Thank you, Beth W. And Leah M., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thanks so much. You know, the goal, objective, and aim of the program of recovery is a personality change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. And that's what I think about, you know, when I look at the paragraph that we're studying today and the promises. I also like to think about the bedevilments. You know, what was life before God consciousness? What what did that look like? On page 52, it says we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. Couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And that is the way I lived prior to the implementation and the work, the deep work of these steps, specifically, uh, particularly steps four through nine, where, you know, with the instructions and the guide of someone in whom the problem had been solved, my vision on life, my perspective, my ideas, my attitudes were turned (laughs) inside out. You know, we talk about a profound personality change where a person goes from being a frightened, negative, angry, resentful, cynical person few of the adjectives I would use to describe me prior to program, whose view of the world was one of great turmoil, a lot of pain, and a lot of trouble, transformed as a result of this work into a very positive person today whose view of the world is positive, is bright, is happy, is joyful, is loving, is patient, is understanding, is kind, and that's natural. You know, it's natural as a result of the work, the continued work. And nothing in my life might be changed. You know, might still have the still same financial challenges, still, you know, health issues perhaps in people's families. People are still divorced in other people's families. Some people are still unemployed. But for some unexplained reason, we're happy about it. That's a personality change from one personality to a new personality, and there's no external reason for this change, so it must be changes that are taking place within. I see it in myself over the years. I certainly see it in the people I've worked with over the years. Rearrangements, displacements as a result of the steps. It's deep. It's deep. <laughs> you know, we all, we're all familiar with the language of the book. It says, rarely have we seen a person fail. Right? And that's as true today as it was in 1939. Except to get to the punchline, you've got to read further. Rarely have we seen a person fail that has thoroughly followed our path. There is a path. Freedom is not free. But, but it's doable, and it's reachable, and we live it, and that's why we're excited to talk about it, because we are living it this way. <laughs> and uh, it's not magical, but it is miraculous. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And Priscilla, I'm sorry, we've run out of time in this meeting, so hopefully you can share on the second hour. So thank Thank you you. to everyone who shared. 
and thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, January 20th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 13997. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jen A. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge this road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.